This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I was in England last week, and as I was standing in the Cathedral of St. Mary in Newcastle, England, over tucked to the right-hand side of the main sanctuary is a small side chapel with a a statue of Our Lady that was quite unique, typical Mary statue, as we talked about in the very first episode when I reflected a bit on the Mary statue in my childhood bedroom. Mary always kind of looks somewhat similar. Usually her eyes are cast downward, she sometimes has something in her hand, usually someone, and that's Jesus. But in this particular statue, what was so unique was that she was holding baby Jesus out, almost as if she was putting him on display. And it was really, um, it was quite beautiful. I was captivated by it for, for a few moments as I stood there and I lit a candle, as one does when they find themselves in front of a Mary statue, and I said a a prayer for all of you, the listeners of Ave Explorers, those folks who have read all the articles on the Ave Maria Press website, everybody that's been journeying with us on this Ave Explorers series, I I lit a candle on your behalf, and I was staring up at the statue, and Father Dermot, the priest that was there that was part of this event, he came up to me and I asked him, I said, what version of Mary is this? And he chuckled. Uh, I don't think the word version of Mary, those words are something that he'd heard before, at least not in a while, or maybe it was just an American iteration of the phrasing. But he chuckled and he said, oh, it's Our Lady giving us um, a look at the fruit of her womb. She's literally showing us the fruit of her womb by holding baby Jesus out like this. And I was so struck. I was just captivated by that beautiful idea that once again, all of this getting to know Mary, everything from conversations about how we talk about her with our non-Catholic brothers and sisters to praying the rosary on a regular basis, both on our own and with our, with our families, with our children, with our friends, that all of it is ultimately getting back to that statue that I found tucked in the corner of the cathedral 5,000 miles away from my front door in Newcastle, England, Our Lady giving witness to the fruit of her womb, showing us the face of her son that she knows so well. If you've been listening to this podcast for the whole season, or maybe you just recently stumbled upon it and hopefully you binged all the other episodes or you've only listened to a handful Maybe you've read the content over on the Ave Maria Press website. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've clicked around a little bit. Whatever your level of investment into Ave Explorers has been, I think one thing has been quite obvious to everyone um, that's read even one small piece or has looked at everything that's come out every single Tuesday for the past few weeks. And that's that a lot of different people feel and think and have experienced Our Lady in a lot of different ways in their life. One of the interviews we conducted this season was with Michael O'Neill, the miracle hunter. Michael has dedicated his life to studying and researching uh, the Marian apparitions and miracles really around the world. And, And he shared something right at the end of his interview that I think is worth hearing again. Why does she come? Why, why does she come as a loving mother to us? Well, we need her, but she's really there to draw us closer to her son. She points us to her son. So 
you know, I think there are, have been numerous cases where uh, the local place where Mary appears, people have lost faith, and she restores faith by her visions. And I think uh, people see the, the loving attention of a mother and are drawn to her. So, you know, I think that's the common thing. And, you know, she calls for a peace, prayer, and conversion across the board. And I like to joke that she's the greatest architect in human history, because oftentimes when she shows up, she also says, by the way, build me a church. Yeah. And, uh, and people often do in Thanksgiving for, for these great uh, miraculous moments. Build me a church, right? And sometimes I think we might fall into the trap of thinking that our devotion to Mary has to be something lofty, right? If I have a devotion to Mary, that means that I have to have a thousand Mary statues in my house. I have to have 15 images of her. I have to pray a dozen rosaries a day. Devotion to Mary can start small. It can start simply. I think the first interview that we did with Jeannie Gaffigan talking about her her tomb of sorts, where she, during her her medical crisis, when she was literally in uh, an intensive care unit for two weeks, largely unaware of her surroundings, that she very quietly prayed and was in this this personal personal monastery of sorts. And Our Lady was her comfort there. The rosary was my the spiritual tool and the conduit, the, the line to heaven. And I felt like, you know, the the Blessed Mother was there with me. Yeah. And advocating um, on my behalf. See, she's there. She's there on our behalf. She's holding the face of, of Jesus up for us. She's telling us about her son. She's leading us ever closer to the heart of her son. In a very real way, Mary is a disciple example, an example of discipleship, uh, an example for disciples, an example for us to learn how to live that that Christian life, to learn how to say yes to Christ, to trust in his providence in unique and beautiful ways. We had an interview this season with my, my dear friend Meg Hunter-Kilmer, the hobo for Christ, as, as she calls herself, who lives out of her car and drives around the country and tells kids saint stories and gives talks to crowds of people, as Meg will tell you, really about anything so long as you can understand the love of Jesus. And Meg had an incredible thought at the end of her interview as well about Mary's love of her son being something worth imitating. I saw a window in Owensboro, Kentucky, where she was just holding his pudgy little baby finger and staring <laughs> at his finger and just just considering the way that new moms adore their babies and to to hold Jesus like that as an infant and to look at him as a toddler, the way that his mother did, and to look at him mm-hmm. when he began his public ministry and to feel that that love and that adoration, that pride that his mother did. I think for me, that's been the biggest thing with Mary, is just trying to look at Jesus the way that she looks at Jesus and to love him with that intensity. Mm-hmm. And it's been so beautiful. And if you think theologically, why is Mary both an example of discipleship and why does Mary show us Jesus really, really well? Well, she knew Jesus really, really well, as only a mother can. She knew her son. She was there when he took his first steps. She helped potty train him as a mom currently going through potty training with a two-year-old. Let me tell you, there's a reason Mary is sinless, and it's because she had to teach baby Jesus how to TT on the potty. Requires a great amount of patience, and not having concupiscence within your spirit is most certainly something that helps. Mary's a mom. She's a mom that knows her son, and she wants us to know her son. We had an interview this season with Letitia Adams, a writer from Austin, Texas, 
who sadly lost her son to suicide a few years ago. And Letitia reflected with us on what it was like to confront that grief with Our Lady as a companion in her grief. Actually, and so I just kept being honest with Mary about my feelings. Like, you're sinless, <laughs> full of grace. I'm right. How can sinful. I imitate you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very sinful. I'm very not full of grace. You know what I mean? And but 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 she was comforting. Like it wasn't like she wasn't comforting. Her presence was very comforting to me because I could tell her all of those things honestly and openly. And, and what got me was one advent, um, the talk of the journey, you know, the journey that the blessed mother and St. Joseph made when she was pregnant, um, mm-hmm. and how difficult it was and how bumpy it was and how unsure it was and how, you know, neither one of them. Yeah. I mean, they both, they both believed and had faith, but still at some point you're like, are we really caring God? Like, are we, are we really, is this really happening? Because they're human as well, you know, and mm-hmm. the humanness is, is this really happening? And that is where my grief journey, where I recognized Mary in my grief journey. And that is this really happening? And are we really doing this and how difficult and bumpy it was and how hard it is to stay on a donkey when you're nine months pregnant is about how hard it is to stay um, Catholic when you've lost a child. That concept of journey is one that I think we need to really contemplate that we are on this path, that we live this everyday faith that we're, we're very much walking along the road and in a perfect and ideal faith journey, Jesus is right next to us and we're frolicking through the fields and holding hands and there's butterflies and rainbows. Nobody's faith journey looks like that. Let's be real. It's often a rocky terrain. It's often covered with moments and filled with moments of, of intense grief and pain like Letitia shared, or even in the moments of intense excitement and joy. Sometimes there's this deep fear that the, the other foot's going to drop and something's going to go wrong or that there's no way that our faith could ever be this strong. Whatever, wherever, however you find yourself on that path, it is a journey. It is a process. It is one that we are in motion with. And I think as we're on that journey, whether we're riding on the back of a donkey nine months pregnant and in intense pain or just going through the everyday, normal, almost humdrum of life, Mary's there with us. If I've explored that anything, it's hopefully articulate that, that Mary is in this with us, again, to lead us close to the heart of her son. Father Anthony Sharapa helped us understand that Mary really actively prays alongside of us because he gave us this beautiful image from his interview about how he has his Mary statue set up in his chapel. Yeah, it's something about Mary is fully human. Mm-hmm. She is, when we look at her, we see what Christ Jesus did and is doing for all of us. In her, all of the promises of redemption are already fulfilled. And so in her virtues, in her life, we see what we are meant to become, perfectly human. And knowing that she is, even though she's you know, above us in holiness, absolutely, she's also right next to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the same Lord. We have the same God. And the idea of whenever, whenever you kneel before the tabernacle, if you want to know where Mary is, she's kneeling right next to you. Um, she's always pointing you to prayer. She's almost like putting her hand on your shoulder and just gesturing toward the tabernacle. Um, she's something about just kind of her being on our side uh, is something that is is very appealing to me. Uh, in my chapel, 
have in the rectory, there's a statue of her. And a lot of times when we have statues of Mary, she's kind of like next to the crucifix or next to the tabernacle. But I have her position so she's facing the tabernacle. So when I go to pray, she's there praying, you know, with me. Something about her being next to us, fully human, you know, more, you know, human like we are, something mm-hmm. about that I find very comforting and encouraging. Comforting and encouraging. Words that I think capture Our Lady. Things that we want to both feel and experience, not just on our faith journey, but in life. And see, that's, that's really one of the most beautiful things about Mary. She's not irrelevant to our life. She's present in our journey of faith. But see, our faith and our lives are not separate. We live a life of faith. You don't just have a faith life that is this ancillary thing on the side. You live a life that is faithful out in the world, amongst the community, with people, with friends, with family, with perfect strangers. I live in southwest Louisiana, a very Catholic area of the country. My home state has seven dioceses from one side to the other, which only takes about five and a half hours to drive from end to end. My hometown is a very tiny diocese, small but mighty, the Diocese of Lake Charles is, with only 36 parishes. And and yet, even in this steeped cultural Catholic world, sometimes it's it's difficult to give that witness to Our Lady. And I think we had a, a fantastic conversation this season with J.D. Flynn, who gave us kind of insight into a way that his family makes time to make sure that their faith is integrated into that daily life, especially with that devotion to Mary, something that he does with his own children. We we love, I mean, Kate and I both have the experience of going, and, and maybe you do too, of going to people's houses who have pray a family rosary together every single night. And just like, um, we both have had that experience, uh, had had that experience in other people's houses and just loved it and wanted it for, um, for our family. And so we, you know, we started out by saying, okay, at bedtime, we'll say, uh, you know, we'll say a family rosary. And, um, we quickly realized that what's realistic for us most nights is a family decade or a family two decades. And, um, and so, um, we, you know, we have bedtime together, so um, we kind of do our getting into pajamas routine and all that. And then our big kids share a room, so that makes it easy because everybody just goes to the big kids' room, and the big kids get in bed, and uh, and uh, and the little guy just sits on somebody's lap. And we have to, um, the kids both know and expect and love the routine of family rosary, but they also fight it right because they're kids, and so you know it's a little bit of. Um, trying to get everybody to settle down mm-hmm. and then just jumping in whether everybody settled down or not. We, we found that we just, um, we decided we would be absolutely consistent with the decade and, um, and then build on that. And so, um, we, uh, they've come to love it and, um, and we, we do build on it. We more often go to two decades or three decades. And I think as they get older, um, you know, we'll keep, we'll keep growing and as they're able to sit still longer, we'll keep going. Um, I think what I want is I know people who, um, as adults even, you know, pray the rosary every night before they go to sleep, they, they almost need to. And it's such a beautiful habit. And, um, and I want that to be ingrained in my kids to have this time of reflection and this time of entrusting their day to the blessed mother and entrusting the next day to the blessed mother. And especially just, you know, hopefully a little bit, I mean, they're kids, but hopefully a little bit contemplating, the mystery of the mysteries of Jesus' life through through the eyes of Mary, and I feel like even though right now it's it, you know it's something small, it's a decade or two decades. It takes five minutes maybe, um, and and even though sometimes we have to stop five times first during morning about putting our heads on our pillow and not hitting anybody, 
um, you know, ha- virtue is born out of habit. And so I feel like even when we don't feel like they're, even if, when we don't know if they're getting something out of it or we don't know, or we know that we're not oh, always, I feel like we're, Mary understands that. I mean, you know, I don't think Mary expects us to, to have a like perfectly pious and devout home before we invite her into it. And so we invite her, I guess, into, um, into the, you know, the chaos of bedtime routine with little kids. And, and, and I think we all benefit from having her there. You know, it was after doing this interview with JD, who is a friend of mine, um, that I told Tommy and, and we discussed and discerned together, we decided that we were going to try to start doing a decade of the rosary with our two-year-old in the evenings. And it's been really remarkable to watch her learn how to pray and in her own little two-year-old way, bow her head and fold her hands and close her eyes. It's not always this picture of piety. Just as JD joked, it can be quite chaotic when you invite Mary into a family home like this because kids are climbing up the walls. But it's worth it. It's worth it because we are growing in devotion to a woman who understands that perfectly, who not only stood at the foot of the cross, who not only potty trained baby Jesus, who not only cooked dinner and, and fed people meals and, and was there at the wedding at Cana and said, do whatever he tells you, but is a woman who knew the world, a woman who knew life, a woman who can walk with us on that journey of faith, can be invited into our lives and only make it better because she leads us, as we consistently say, and reinforcement is key to the heart of her son. Kristen Riley did an interview with us right after JD's. Kristen, of course, if you remember from the episode, hosts a morning rosary on Instagram with hundreds of people tuning in, thousands throughout the course of the day, looking at her Instagram profile on this online ministry where they pray the rosary together around the world. And she shared this really beautiful story about the way the rosary connected people with intentions in this this digital ministry that she does. It's so amazing, Katie. It's like, it really is the communion of saints. Like, yeah. live. That's, that's what I feel like. I feel like, you know, every day. Also, just the, the, the generosity and the kindness of the community is really remarkable. Because, so when you put in your intention, other people will see it. And then they will even, like, direct message you after and, and pray for you or find ways to you know, help. We had one of the members of our community, we, um, somebody told us that a veteran, um, you know, he had his funeral a few days ago and somebody in the family, they were worried that there wouldn't be a lot of people there. So they asked, will we share it with our community? We had a member of our community drive a hundred to go to that funeral for wow. that gentleman, that veteran. I mean, people going out of their way to be kind, to be charitable, to be loving. Because they were brought together by the rosary. I think perhaps that's what Mary would want most of all. That the sons and daughters of the King Most High love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mary can show us how to do that as this incredible mother to us, as this remarkable example of discipleship, as one who loves the Son and encourages us to love the Son too. It's been a great season. Incredible content, as you just heard in this little clip show, but also hopefully heard throughout the entire season, as hopefully you saw as you read the articles from the different Ave Maria Press contributors. We're really proud of what we created. We are so excited that over 3,000 people have read all the different things that we've created, have subscribed, probably so many more than just that number because of what's been shared all across social media. Thousands of people downloading this podcast and subscribing. We're so happy that you journeyed with us and explored with us and learned with us and hopefully grew with us. 
This podcast, of course, will stay up on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Season one is, of course, now over. Season one being this one, the one about Mary. And season two will kick off in January when we start our new series on mental health, stress, and anxiety. We want to take a a Catholic look at mental health, not just the mental health struggles and the mental health issues facing many of us in the culture today, but really how the church addresses these things, how the church can even be a a place of comfort through these, these trials and these tribulations, can offer insight into ways to seek both help Uh, recovery. We've got some really great folks lined up that will be joining us both on the podcast and writing for us in the articles. So to stay looped in on all those things, just watch your email for the next round of information concerning Ave Explores mental health, stress, and anxiety. And we'd be most grateful if you would give a rating and a review to this podcast so it gets into the ears and in front of more folks so that they can join us for that new series, as well as take advantage of all the great content from this series. Ultimately, I just want to say a, a very personal thank you to those of you that listened, to those of you that read, to those of you that shared, to those of you that reached out, you sent emails, you sent insights, you asked questions on social media, you sent messages via Instagram, you tweeted things out. We're so grateful that you wanted to go on this journey with us, that you wanted to explore together. This whole endeavor, this whole project very much began as a dream, as a hope of Ave Maria Press. You know, it's, it's something, I, I didn't find this out until we'd actually started the series, but the founder of Ave Maria Press is the same founder of Notre Dame University, go fighting Irish, Father Soren. And when Father Soren began Ave Maria Press, he began it as a magazine, as a publication, as a journal, to be about Our Lady. So how perfect, how appropriate that Ave Maria Press started this initiative again to share Our Lady with people, to explore the role of Mary with you, with me, all of us Catholics trying to live our faith in the everyday. So thanks for joining us for Ave Explorers, and we look forward to continuing to journey with you again in January.